Hazard Audio. March Madness marches on, and the duo break down Major League Baseball in their season preview of the National League. Also on deck, we've got the Tweet Zone and Sports Madness. It's all right here. Recorded live at the Launchpad Studios in Chicago, Sports Appeal. This is going to be a home run. I just know it because I can see into the future. With your hosts, Steve Gross and Matt Axelrod. Play ball. All right, welcome to Sports Appeal. We're your regular hosts. I'm Steve Gross. And I'm Matt Axelrod. You can find us every single week right here on podbean.com. Or you can get us on iTunes, subscribe, just search for Sports Appeal and subscribe to us there. We're also available on Rivet News Radio app, thesportsmecca.com, wgtradio.com, the Stitcher Radio app. There's so many ways to tune in. There's no reason for you not to do that. Love for you guys to tweet at us. Find us on Twitter at the Sports Appeal. All of our music is provided by Full Service, our studio band. You can get all of their music on iTunes and Spotify. And as always, we're produced by Johnny Five. Johnny, say hello to the people. Hey, yo, hey, yo. It's great to have you back, Steve. Great to be here. And we're powered by Hazard Audio. This week's show, we're going to do an MLB preview of the National League later. And we're going to talk about Kevin Durant in a little bit. But right now, we're going to talk about March Madness. Matt, this tournament has been incredible. There's been so much drama. Let's start with the games this weekend. The Kentucky-Notre Dame game that was last night and the Michigan State-Louisville game that we actually just finished watching. Yeah, the Michigan State-Louisville game was my favorite just because I care about that game. My dad went to State, so I'm a big Spartans fan. I got to say that uh, Kentucky-Notre Dame game was an instant classic. And to me, that was the better game. You said you cared more about the Michigan State game, but I'm kind of the opposite. I didn't care about that game at all because that region has just been... It was a mess from the start. It was so hard to pick a winner coming out of that region because the top seeds were Villanova, Virginia, Louisville, and Oklahoma. You know, there just wasn't one that jumped out at you and was like, oh, this is a really, really good team that I think is going to take this region. And it's just the whole region has just been kind of disappointing. On the other hand, it's nice when you get a, a good upset story like the Spartans, who have successively beat the number two, number three, number four ranked seeds as a seventh seed in that region. Yeah, there's a Cinderella every year. And I don't think I would call Michigan State a Cinderella, though, especially with Tom Izzo at the helm. And it's just kind of disappointing for me that Michigan State made the Final Four. And we have to see teams like Arizona and Notre Dame go home. That's definitely disappointing because I got to say, as biased as I am, both of those teams are probably significantly better than Michigan State. That Notre Dame-Kentucky game was amazing. That was one of the best basketball, college basketball games I've seen in a really, really long time. I wish I didn't want it to end. I was praying for overtime. I just wanted to see more. Yeah, the back and forth at the end was just ridiculous. So good. I'm surprised it didn't go to overtime the way that game was going. It was so evenly matched. Well, Kentucky made their last, like, nine shots of the game or something. So, you know, they deserved the win. They played hard. Notre Dame, I mean... They have nothing to be ashamed of. They should be holding their heads high. That might end up going down as the best game of the entire tournament when it's all said and done. Absolutely. And some people were kind of down on Notre Dame before the tournament, but, you know, they won the ACC tournament. The whole ACC has performed really well throughout the whole tournament. They had five teams in the Sweet 16, three teams in the Elite Eight. It's just they ended the conversation about what's the best conference because it has by far been the ACC. Yeah, definitely. On a side note, we're going to get to the tweet zone a little bit, but I have just had a blast on Twitter through these games interacting with all you fans. Everybody's been hitting us up on Twitter. We're having some good conversations going. Keep doing it. Head on over to the Twitter and keep conversing with us. We're on for pretty much every game at The Sports Appeal. We'll go ahead and read some of these tweets right now. We'll throw it to our producer, Johnny Five, to read some of your tweets from this week. Tweet Zone. Hit the tweets. All righty. We've got the Tweet Zone right here, right now. Your tweets coming on and always get to us at The Sports Appeal. And you know the hosts love to interact with you. Earlier, Sports Appeal actually said... 
Anyone who says the NBA is better than college basketball is out of their mind. To which, at TallMo09 responded, I'll put the NBA games of the Bulls versus Knicks from the 90s against your argument. What do you have to say, guys? I was growing up in the 90s, and I was a huge Knicks fan, and I hated the Bulls because they always beat us in the playoffs. And, you know, Tall Mo has a point. That was, those were some great games. But that was also 20 years ago. Like, if that's the best example you can come up with to compete with college basketball, I think your argument's pretty weak. I'm an NBA guy mostly. I definitely prefer watching the NBA, especially in the regular season. But I have to agree with you, honestly. March Madness just has so much more compelling action going on because there's so much effort going on all the time. The NBA, as much as I love it, between the seven-game series and the fact that these guys are all kind of divas at this point with how much money they're making, it's just not nearly as compelling of action as you get in the college game where everyone's just leaving everything out on the line. And yeah, and it's kind of disappointing because, like you and I were talking about earlier, the pros, they're the best in the world at what they do. They don't put in... The effort. It's just like lack of enthusiasm. There's too much jogging. The games that we've watched just this past week, I've seen more effort than I think I've seen the entire NBA season so far. College basketball for the win. Let's do the next one. At HB Character. He's tweeting to us, should they do away with the extra point in football in favor of going with a mandatory two-point conversion? A lot of the owners are talking about this, and I think even Roger Goodell was saying he doesn't like the idea, the extra point system as it exists now. And there's something to be said for that. It is kind of uneventful. But I think the NFL just has such a good product, and none of the solutions that I've heard suggested really make a whole lot of sense to me. I definitely don't think they should do away with the extra point. There's a lot of uh, compelling stuff going on there. You know, are they going to fake and do a two-point conversion? However, one of the things that I've heard that makes sense to me is moving it from the two-yard line to the one-and-a-half-yard line because it would significantly increase the chances of getting in on a two-point conversion. So that would incentivize teams to go for it more often and create a more exciting game. The other thing is it's nice to have that break where there's really not a whole lot going on. The kick's mostly foregone conclusion, and so it gives you a chance to go grab another beer from the fridge. I don't understand why they want to change this so bad. I mean, I guess it is the one thing in the football game that is completely and utterly forgettable, but it's working just fine. It doesn't really affect the game unless you miss it, which happens occasionally, but not much. They've toyed with moving it back to the 15-yard line or something like that. The stats for making it from the 15-yard line, it's like 92% instead of 96%. It's ridiculous. It's, there's no point in doing it whatsoever. This is from Nathan, at Nath underscore ALGR. What are your top three favorite sports movies? I gotta say, this is one of the more open-ended tweets that we've gotten. This is an interesting topic. People, you know, debate this all the time. We're gonna give ours. We'd love to hear what you guys think, too. Tweet us your favorite sports movies. We're at the Sports Appeal. So we're going to kind of take turns here. We're going to include Johnny Five on this one. Actually. Oh, really? Yeah, man. So we're going to ask for your thoughts on this. All righty. I'll have to think on the spot here. Matt, we'll go first. What's your number? We're going to do top three. So what's your number three sports movie? Uh, my third favorite sports movie is Caddyshack. I have nice. a bit of a personal story with Caddyshack. I caddied at Indian Hill Club in Winnetka growing up. That is the golf course that the movie Caddyshack is based on. Oh. Because Bill Murray and his brothers grew up in the area. They all caddied there when they were growing up. I even caddied for a guy who had had Bill Murray as his caddy some. 40 years before. It's cool that you picked Caddyshack, too, because my number three movie is also a golf movie, but it's Tin Cup. I love Tin Cup. Yeah, how could you not? What a great movie. My favorite scene is when they make the bet about who can drive the ball further, and Don Johnson turns around and hits the ball down the road and just keeps bouncing down the road. <laughs> and then Roy has to beat him with like a garden shovel and a rake. It's, it's just such a great movie. There's so many great moments in Tin Cup. Johnny, I know we just dropped this on you, but what's your number three movie? Uh, I got to say right off the top of my head, I really enjoyed Kingpin. King, yes. Kingpin is a hysterical movie. I mean, <laughs> you can't go wrong. Bill Murray was in there. He was, yeah. He had that 
badass bowling ball. With How about the comb over? And the comb over, <laughs> yes. Fantastic flick. Really funny. Great comedy. Absolutely. My second favorite sports movie is Remember the Titans. Oh. Classic story. It's got everything in it. It's got racial tension, history going on, and just some good sports. Yeah, that's the, a great pick. The actual football scenes in that movie are great. Yeah, that's a great pick. That's a really, really good movie. Good choice. My second favorite one is Sandlot. I grew up on the Sandlot. I love everything about it. Benny the, Jet, me, Smalls. Benny the Jet Rodriguez, The Beast, James Earl Jones as the as the blind neighbor. Just the whole movie is just awesome. Love it. It's a great movie. For my uh, second movie, I got to say Rudy is right up there. Great choice. Rudy is fantastic, and it's just an inspirational flick. I mean, this is about a guy who you know he has the hardest time breaking into the sport that he wants to do into engaging his passion, but he is that passion. He keeps driving. He keeps making it happen, and eventually he triumphs and just. When you see him make it, you can just feel your heart swell. Oh, and yeah. That's what makes it a terrific movie in my book, and that's why it's my number two. That scene where they carry him off the field at the end is oh, just... Oh, my God. Mm, I know. Yeah. Every time. Gets me every time. Amazing. And then my favorite movie is Field of Dreams. Mm. If you haven't seen it, go see Field of Dreams. And then if you got the time, read the book. It's Shoeless Joe by W.P. Kinsella, the book that it's based on. It is really a good book. And W.P. Kinsella is a great author, written a lot of good baseball stories. My favorite sports movie of all time... Yo, Adrian! I gotta go with Rocky, man. That is such a classic movie. I love everything about it. Just Good choice. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's a patriot. I guess Rocky IV is where he fights the big Russian. Uh, that's probably in my top five. But Drago? Drago, yeah. yeah. So good. Yep. Uh, Dolph Lundgren. But yeah, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Rocky won when he fights Apollo Creed. He doesn't even win the fight, and it's still one of the greatest movies of all time. So you're not even nailing it down to just one of them. You're doing the whole Rocky franchise. I mean, Rocky's one and four are the best by far. Rocky three with Mr. T. I wish we kind of wish we could cut that one out. <laughs> and Rocky, Rocky five with Tommy Gunn, not not the greatest either. Okay. Well, for me, for my favorite one, this is gonna come out of a uh, left field. In fact, no, it's not even gonna come out of left field. It's gonna come out of the gym locker. This <laughs> one is Predator. Now, Johnny, <laughs> what? what are you talking about? Why Predator? What? Why Predator? Because it's only the best sport ever. Hunting humans. Oh my like, God. Aliens come to Earth and they hunt the hardest prey to hunt. Humanity. What's wrong with you? It's not a sports movie. Oh, I love it. It's great. It's like blood sport. It's like gladiator, you know? When people had to hunt people for the fans' entertainment. That's a tweet zone, guys. All right. We're going to take it to break after that. But you're here listening to Sports Appeal with Steve and Matt. Tweet at us at the Sports Appeal. We'll be right back. Hey guys, it's Steve here. I know a lot of you have been wanting to try out DraftKings.com. Now is the perfect chance to do that. Fancy sports fans are winning huge cash prizes every day at DraftKings.com, America's favorite place to play daily fantasy sports. Daily fantasy means no season-long commitments. You just play whenever you want, pick your sport, draft your team. It's like a new season every time you play, so you're never stuck with the same players. Last year, $300 million were won at DraftKings.com, and you could be the next to win big. Go to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code HAZARD to play for free. That's HAZARD for free entry now at DraftKings.com. Welcome back to Sports Appeal. I'm Steve. And I'm Matt. You can find us every week right here on Podbean.com. If you like the show, check us out on iTunes, subscribe, leave us a beautiful review, rate us five stars, or tweet at us on Twitter at The Sports Appeal. Right now we're going to talk some MLB the season's right around the corner, Matt, so we're going to do a little season preview here. Uh, we're going to do the National League today. Next week, we'll do the American League. So let's start with the NL East. Last year, the Nationals won the NL East, followed by the Mets, Braves, Marlins, and Phillies at the very bottom. What are you looking at this year? 
Yeah, there's no way the Nationals don't win the NL East again. Agreed. I mean, they were up by 17 games over the second-place New York Mets, so that's not changing. They've had an incredible offseason, signing Max Scherzer, which just makes their pitching staff even better. People are talking that this means they're going to trade one of their other frontline pitchers because they've got probably four almost legitimate aces on the staff. So they can really trade someone and try and bring in some more offense, although their offense is pretty good too. Absolutely, and you're right about their pitching staff. And their fifth starter is Doug Fister, whose ERA was 2.41 last year. This pitching staff is ridiculous. Scherzer was third in the major leagues in strikeouts last year, and Strasburg was fifth. So they have two of the top five strikeout guys in their starting rotation. That is unbelievable. They have Drew Storen as a closer. who's He's solid. And then they've got Ryan Zimmerman playing third base. Ian Desmond at shortstop. He's got some pop for shortstop. He's got a little bit of power. Bryce Harper, Jason Wirth. This is a good team. They might contend for the National League title this year. One of the under-the-radar signings that they made was they signed Dan Ugla, who's been awful the last few years. Yes, he has. But he's had some very good years in his career, and it's possible that he might just need a change of scenery. So you never know. That's one of those low-risk, potentially high-reward signings that, that could turn out well for him. Probably won't. but it... No, it probably won't. That's why it was an under-the-radar signing, because mm-hmm. nobody cares at all. Um, so I care, Steve. I care. <laughs> so the race for second place in this division, I think, is going to be interesting. And it's going to be between the Mets and the Braves because the Marlins have nothing interesting about their team except for Giancarlo Stanton, and the Phillies are just a disaster right now. I think it's probably going to be the Mets. The Braves, it seems like, are kind of trending downwards. Agreed. But the Mets have uh, some issues for sure, but they have a couple of good pitchers that they have coming up through the works in their minor league system, headlined by Noah Syndergaard, who everyone thinks is going to be really good. I think he's like the 10th-ranked prospect in all of baseball by Baseball America. So I'm not sure if he's going to be up in the majors this year or not, but he could be very good, and that could help them out a lot. Yeah, I think he actually is going to get a shot this year because they just lost Zach Wheeler for the season. He tore his UCL, I think it was. Um, So I think he's probably going to get a shot at some point this year. But you hit it on the head with the Mets. Their pitching staff is good. Matt Harvey, who's awesome. Jake DeGrom, the second-year pitcher, he was great last year. I want to see if he can do it again this year. But their batting is really the problem. They hit 239 as a team last year, which is 13th in the National League out of 15 teams. And they did absolutely nothing to improve their lineup. I mean, they signed Michael Kadire. He hit 332 last year, but that was in Colorado. So hitting stats are a little inflated there. So we'll see what he can do in the massive city field. But other than that, they don't have anybody that can hit. David Wright is kind of the only guy. He's been hot in spring training. But um, he's kind of the only guy who hits. Curtis Granderson hits some home runs, but he hit like 230 last year. As for the other teams in that division, the only thing I can really say about either the Marlins or the Phillies is the Marlins signed Giancarlo Stanton to a 13-year, $325 million (laughs) deal in the offseason. And, you know, good for them for getting him locked up. But, like, what are they thinking? That team is a mess. They have no hitting on that team. I did a little bit of research on them. This year's starting outfield for them, Grady Sizemore, Ben Revere, and Dominic Brown, the three of them hit a total of 17 home runs last year. Wow, that's pretty awful, especially because you expect to get a lot of your power from your outfielders. Yeah, Ryan Howard had 23 home runs last year, and then the next most on this season's lineup was Chase Utley with 11. They have no wow. power on their team. I'm unimpressed with them, and it doesn't look like there's any chance of them getting better anytime soon. Yeah, so I think the Nationals win the division again this year with the Mets in second, followed by the Braves and the Phillies and Marlins in some orders. So pretty much the same exact results as last season. Yeah, I agree. And I think the Marlins will be better than the Phillies again, but who cares? Yeah. 
All right, so let's go to the uh, National League Central, and I will let you take this away because I know you're very excited about your Cubs. All right, well, first of all, I think you have to start with the Cardinals. The Cardinals, as much as I hate them, I do respect them. They are the gold standard of the MLB. The fact that as a small market team, they manage to do what they do and contend every year is got to be applauded. Take a moment for something somber. They had their key prospect, Oscar Tavares, pass away in the offseason in an automobile accident. And from everything I've heard, he was both a fantastic baseball player and a good person. So rest in peace. Outside of that, they have a slew of talented hitters and a good pitching staff. It's not great, but it's pretty good. Even so, I think the division is going to be won by the Cubs this year. Why? Why do you think the Cubs are going to win the division? I wholeheartedly disagree with your assessment of the Cardinals pitching staff. First of all, secondly, why? What makes you think the Cubs are going to win the division? Well, okay. So the Cubs over the last sixty-two games last year went thirty-two and thirty. So they were over five hundred to close out the season, despite having both Anthony Rizzo and Starlin Castro injured for about a month of that time. Since then, they have gotten better at pretty much every position that was lacking. They signed John Lester. They picked up star manager Joe Madden. Just made a ton of deals over the offseason to shore up all of their weak points. Getting Fowler to be a leadoff hitter. Their starting lineup is going to go from 1 through 7. Something like Fowler, Castro, Bryant, Rizzo, Soler, Chris Coughlin, who hit like 285 last year, and Baez or Alcantara, whoever wins the second base position. I will take that over maybe all but like five other teams in the league. The only problem with your theory is we don't know what these guys are. All the, a lot of these guys are young players who we have no idea if they're going to be good or not at all. I mean, I guess I can see why Chicago fans are excited. You guys haven't had a lot to cheer about in the last, oh, 100 years. It's just it's too many prospects. There's too many question marks. I don't buy it. I'm going to have to see it to believe it. I buy it. I, they're going to win 90 games this year. They're going to have to to win the division. The division. They're going to have to win 90 games. Yeah. You think they're going to? Yeah, yeah, I do. I really think they're going to. What? No, there's no way they win 90. Only three teams in the National League won 90 games last year, and they were all division winners. So if they want to win the division, they're going to have to win 90 games. And if you're so sure about this, let's bet on it. All right, what do you want to bet? How about the loser? Okay, so if the Cubs win 90 games or more, I'll give you the 90. If they win 90 or more, I will shave my head. And if they win 89 or less, you have to shave your head. I don't know, man. I like my hair. You know what? I'm confident. Yeah. Yes. Let's do it. That's the spirit. That's what I wanted to hear. Oh, All my right. God, you're going to shave your head. Right. I can't wait. We're, we're going to film this, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll film it, and we'll let all of our listeners see it for sure. Steve oh, has no wait. hair anyway, so I don't know why I just made that bet. Oh! <laughs> Better watch yourself, Axelrod. <laughs> yeah, so when the Cubs lose their 73rd game in the middle of July, I'll be happily shaving your head. <laughs> all right, all right. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. All right, so let's go back to the Cardinals. You said their pitching staff is decent. They have Adam Wainwright, Lance Lynn, John Lackey, Michael Waka, and Carlos Martinez, who I'm not crazy about, but he's their fifth starter. I, that's a really good rotation. Their collective ERA, their entire pitching staff, was 3.50 last year, which was good for 11th in the league in ERA. That's pretty pedestrian. Adam Wainwright. I mean, come on. The, the yeah, Cardinals... but one guy does not make a pitching staff. you got to look at their bullpen, too. Altogether, when you look at it, I mean, yeah, they've got some good big names there, but the total product was not that impressive last year, and well, I don't see any reason why it'll be better this year. I was going to say their bullpen's their one weakness with Matt Belisle. He's... It's a pretty big weakness. Well, yeah, but, I mean, their hitting can make up for it. It's not like, it's not like they're going to be relying on pitching to win games. They are a scary team. They're going to be one of the best in the National League again. 
Matt, right, and the Cubs Matt will Holiday. be better. <laughs> the Cubs are not going to be better. There's no way. All right, let's move past the Cardinals and the Cubs, and let's go to Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Milwaukee. Which one do you want to talk about? Let's go with the Pirates. The Pirates are always fun. Andrew McCutcheon is just a stud. He last is. year, last year he hit three fourteen with twenty five homers. They've also got Marte and uh, Martin and just some really good talent on that team. Yeah, they also have Pedro Alvarez, Josh Harrison, who both had good years last year. I think pitching is the question with them. Obviously, Francisco Liriano, I think he's a good starter. He's not an ace, but he's right. like their ace, quote unquote. I always laugh when I see AJ Barnett still on major league rosters. Yeah, I don't it's get ridiculous. it. Ridiculous. Yeah, but they do. They do have the offense to make up for a suspect pitching staff. Their bullpen's pretty good too. Mark Melanson as a closer is lights out, um, and they have uh, Tony Watson and Jared Hughes, both who had ERAs under two last year. So uh, I think their bullpen's pretty strong too. Right. So if they can get through the first six innings, they're in good shape. Well, yeah. That's very, very true. Now let's move on to the Brewers. The Brewers last year got off to a great start. Everyone thought they were going to the playoffs. I think they were in the division lead up until like halfway through the season, and then they just fell off. They did. I think they have the potential to surprise some people this year, though. I think they're going to be a decent team. This division's tough, man. Yeah, this really is. It's going to be tough for the Cubs to take it all. (laughs) It's going to be tough for them to win 90 games with so many good teams in their division. I don't know. They do tend to play games against their division really well. Like last year, even though they went 73-89, and 89, they still split the season series with the Cardinals. That was last year. That has nothing to do with what's going to happen this year. Like we said, the Cardinals are going to be good. Pittsburgh's going to be tough. Milwaukee has the potential to surprise people. I think Cincinnati's going to be better than they were last year, too. Yeah, Cincinnati's not going to be great, though. They've got Aroldis Chapman and Johnny Cueto, who are both really nice pitchers, especially yeah. Cueto. But otherwise, they're pretty underwhelming across the board. They have some good hitters, though. Their pitching is not good. Eh, I don't know. I think their best offensive player is probably Todd Frazier, who hit 273 with, granted, 29 homers last year. You think Todd Frazier is a better hitter than Joey Votto? Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, you forgot about Joey Votto. I did forget about Joey Votto. <laughs> All right, but other than that, not a whole lot going on on the offense there. Oh, Brandon Phillips is a pretty good hitter. If Jay Bruce can return, I mean, he had a horrible season last year. But if he can go back to the hitter that he used to be, you know, two or three years ago, I think, you know, they don't have a terrible lineup. I think we'll be all right. This is altogether a tough division. No team in this division is going to be, like, bad this year. Yeah, agreed. Exactly right. Exactly right. So let's wrap this up. What's your prediction for the standings in the NL Central, and then we'll move on. I got the Cubs, then the Cardinals right behind them, Pirates, Brewers, and Cincy. I think I agree with all of that, except flip the Cardinals and the Cubs, obviously. So let's go to the National League West, where last year the Dodgers won the division, and the Giants got into the playoffs as a wild card and ended up winning the World Series, followed by the Padres, Rockies, and Diamondbacks, who were all under 500 last year. I think the Dodgers are going to take it again. They're just so stacked altogether. They got Clayton Kershaw, Zach Greinke. They had a team ERA of 3.40, which was good for sixth in the league. And then in the offseason, they traded Matt Kemp for Yasmani Grandel, who they needed a catcher. They did. So that helps them out a lot. Their offense is ridiculous with Yasiel Puig, Juan Uribe, D. Gordon, Hanley Ramirez, Alex Gonzalez. It's terrifying. The one thing that gives me pause with the Dodgers is their age. Carl Crawford, Howie Kendrick, Juan Uribe, Jimmy Rollins, Adrian Gonzalez, all over 30 years old. I'm a little bit worried about that. No, I'm glad you mentioned that because they actually have one of the best farm systems in baseball. They have three of the top 10 prospects, according to Baseball America, in all of baseball. So that is very impressive. Even the Cubs don't have three of the top 10, although they do have two of the top three. 
Yeah, that's great. They're not going to bring those guys up when they're paying Carl Crawford and Adrian Gonzalez $100 million each. They're not going to bring up farm system guys. Not this year, but I'm just saying they're set up for extended success with that kind of farm system in the works. Okay, yeah, I'm with you there. And their starting rotation is really good. They have a good closer in Kenley Jansen. So with a good starting rotation, and they do have a good lineup. I'm just a little bit worried about the age. But they are going to be good this year. I think the Giants are going to win the division. Really? Yeah. Yeah, the Giants seem to have a kind of hangover year after each of their World Series years, so we'll see about that. I think they're probably as good as the Giants are, and they're very good. I would anticipate them going a lot closer to 500 this year. Do you know how many of their starters this year hit over 275 last year? Six. Six of their guys hit above 275 last year. I don't care who you are. That kind of hitting is going to win you a lot of games. I see them struggling this year. I don't know why. It's just kind of a gut feeling. On paper, you're right. They're a great team. But I still, with how good the Dodgers are, I still see the Dodgers taking the division and winning upwards of 90 games again. You're probably right about that. I don't know. I like the Giants. We'll go with that. So for the National League West, we're obviously not going to go with the Rockies or the Diamondbacks because both of those teams are in complete disarray right now. So I'm going to go with the Giants and followed by the Dodgers and the Padres and then Rockies and Diamondbacks in some order. Who cares? Yeah, I got to go with the Dodgers, then the Giants. I think it'll finish like it did last year. Padres, then the Rockies, then the Diamondbacks. So exactly the same order as they finished in last year. Cool. Very nice. All right. And that's all the time we have. We're going to take it to break. You're listening to Sports Appeal with me, Matt, and that's Steve. Tweet at us at the Sports Appeal. When we come back, we're going to listen to Sports Madness. hey yo, Johnny Five here, producer of Sports Appeal. And if you're interested in partnering up with the show or sponsoring, you can always reach out to us. Shoot us a tweet. You'll know that. Or you could reach out very directly hazardradio.audio at gmail.com or you can call me 516-770-7120 that's 516-770-7120 let's get right back to the show Welcome back to Sports Appeal. I'm Steve. He's Matt. Go find us on iTunes. Subscribe to our show. Leave us some reviews. Rate us five stars. Every time you do that, it really helps us out. So we really appreciate that. Also find us on Twitter. Tweet at the Sports Appeal. We love interacting with you guys on there. We love having these sports conversations. So keep them coming. Right now, we're going to move on to some NBA stuff. Bad news for Kevin Durant. He cannot catch a break. Or he can catch a break, kind of, I guess. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah, Kevin Durant has refractured his foot. Needs to have more surgery. He's going to be out for another, I think, four months. So it's really just a brutal break for OKC because it was looking like they were going to have a chance at a decent playoff run with Kevin Durant coming back and Russell Westbrook playing the way he is. Looked like they might have been able to make a deep run despite being a 7th or 8th seed. But it seems like OKC might have really mismanaged his injury. Why do you say that? There's some original content from a Redditor on uh, the NBA subreddit, SillyRabbit2121. Not trying to just rip off his write-up, but he went really in-depth with now doctors are saying that Kevin Durant should have sat out 4 to 6 months after his original fracture in surgery. And instead he came back after 6 weeks when the Thunder started 4-12 and and he came in sprained his ankle on that leg so probably a compensation injury and just never was able to get into a rhythm kept going out there for a couple games at a time and then re-injuring something and now it's just a totally lost season for him and for his team because he tried to rush it back yeah he's gonna have to have bone graft surgery which I was reading a little bit about this it sounds super painful They have to open him up and take a piece of his bone out of like a rib or something, and then they're going to put it into his foot and just hope that it takes. Because there's still a small chance that 
his body could actually reject the new piece of bone like with any other transplant. It could be four to six months. It could be longer. I think four to six months is the best case scenario, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's really brutal. It sucks for Kevin Durant, who's a great guy and a great competitor. And it sucks for the league because he's one of the faces that we've come to expect out there, changing games and doing what he does on a night-in, night-out basis. So let's hope he comes back strong and healthy after this. Let's hope he doesn't rush it back this time because I think that really was the problem. Yeah, it also sucks for the Thunder, who are going to be fighting for the last playoff spot. And it sucks for Russell Westbrook because if the Thunder don't make the playoffs, I think he has no shot at winning the MVP. Yeah, agreed. All right, Matt. Sports Madness time. Sports Madness. I love this first story. We got Andrew McCutcheon. He shaved his hair after not cutting it for the past eight years. Anyone who knows Andrew McCutcheon associates him instantly with those long dreadlocks that he has. And he is auctioning them off for charity. When we last checked, they were at $350 per lock. You know, it's not just a lock of his hair, which is creepy enough. But at least he's, (laughs) like, sending an autographed baseball with it, too. And it is all going to charity. Yeah, I guess there's, like, 10 of these locks of hair baseball combinations that he's going to send out. And they've had, like, 42 people bid on them already. You guys can Google it or go to Andrew McCutcheon's Twitter page if for some reason are interested in bidding on some of his hair. Our next Sports Madness story comes to us from the wonderful land of Boston. The Bruins goalie Tuka Rask had to come out of the game due to dehydration, but the Bruins only had two goalies on their roster. So once they put their backup goalie in the game, they had no emergency backup goalie if something would have happened to their second stringer. So what did they do? They asked their 50-year-old goalie coach to suit up. He put the pads on. He put a jersey on, and he served as the emergency backup goalie for the rest of the game. How is he even allowed to do that? Like, is he on the roster as a player? How is that doable? He did play in the NHL for 14 years, so I guess he's got some skills. I'm just, I'm glad he didn't have to go in the game. That that reminds me of, like, way back in the day, 100 years ago, when baseball coaches used to also be on the team. Yeah, that's why they wear uniforms still, for that very reason. (laughs) And then the last one, Wisconsin's Frank the Tank, Frank Kaminsky, took some time out to interview Will Ferrell, Frank the Tank, from old school. We're good, streaky! Which, I love this story. You've got Bo Ryan, who's known as really a hard ass, and he's really hard on his players and runs a tight ship, allowing his star center to go take some time off, go over to Hollywood, and <laughs> fool around interviewing a star on Hollywood. I have no problem with this whatsoever. This is, I think it's awesome. No, um, I, I think it's awesome, too. I'm just a little surprised that it happened. Oh, I'm and, not. They, they let their, their players do media stuff all the time, especially during the Final Four, and Comiskey's going to be in the NBA next year, so they're helping him build his brand a little bit. I'm not surprised by this yeah. whatsoever. It but, obviously didn't hurt him at all either. He he went 9 for 20 for 29 points. Yeah, that's with the thing. six rebounds and assists to steal and a block stuff in the stat sheet. Yeah, Frank Kaminsky is good at basketball. Well, that's all the time we have for Sports Appeal. That's Steve and I'm Matt. Head on over to iTunes, rate and review us. Tweet at us, as always, at the Sports Appeal. We are produced by Johnny Five, powered by Hazard Audio, and from full service, Bone Saw is playing us out. Bone Saw's ready! Resisting the basic story, resisting the way. But since the day I started, so far away